What's up, everyone? Mitch from RespectMarginal.com here with another episode of the RMR Podcast, joined by special guest Joshua Mallet, CIO and co-founder of Budboard. How you doing today, Josh? Doing pretty good, Mitch. How you doing yourself? Hanging in there. Uh, drizzly day here in Seattle. I'd love to say it was uh, out of the norm, but Lord knows this is the everyday life for uh, a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll trade you. I'm wearing a long sleeve today, but it's nice and warm in Albuquerque. I, I think we'd all kill for some rain here. Yeah, I, I bet, man. Yeah, I'm actually flying to Palm Springs for Hall of Flowers tomorrow. And so I am not, I was just talking on, we were doing a little uh, morning update this morning. And I was like, man, I've been wearing a hoodie for like months. I, you know, these, I have, these arms have not seen sun since I've been in California in months back. So I might be in for a little bit of a shock here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got a nasty sunburn at a music show I was at not too long ago. So, uh, sunscreen it's a good idea yeah yeah i, I gotta i gotta remember ironically my wife's the one who doesn't wear need sunscreen due to her complexion but she's the one who always makes sure i got it and sadly she's not coming with me so i gotta i gotta make sure to be smart on my yeah. <laughs> but uh you know i kick off every episode with our guest origin story around the plant the plant being cannabis i know you have a unique story um, more than just uh, a tech guy in cannabis. Uh, I know that you're, you you have a, a personal connection with the plant. So I'd love to kind of hear, um, you know, how you got started in cannabis, both personally and professionally. Yeah. So I, I would say I definitely have kind of a weird one. Uh, I, I would say unlike most people in the industry, I cause was really kind of against cannabis when I was young. Uh, my parents were both very open with, you know, their youth drug use and stuff like that. And had certainly framed drugs in general as just something to avoid. And I played, uh, I played baseball a lot too, when I was a kid. And so, uh, you know, I knew full well that if I were to get into drugs or something like that, I could uh, lose the opportunity to play baseball. And that was really bad. But, uh, unfortunately when I was in high school, I got injured playing the game and, uh, spent a, a really long time just in a bunch of nasty pain, nausea, real bad day-to-day -day life realistically. And I uh, ended up reconnecting with a couple of my buddies from high school to, to start a programming business. And uh, they were pretty prolific potheads for sure. Like uh, we, we'd get back together to hang out and I wasn't smoking yet, uh, but was okay with it at that point in time. And I'd, I'd go hang out at their apartment, they'd smoke and I'd go home to like my mom and hug her goodnight, just reeking of weed. Like I didn't smoke mom, I promise. But uh, so I, I'm dealing with this this nasty condition and I'm, I'm hanging out with them one day, just nauseous as all get out, can't eat anything. And they're like, man, Mallet, just take a hit. I swear. Try it. See how it makes you feel. Give it a try. Uh, and I did. And I just instantly felt better. Like mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't nauseous, which was a huge deal. I've been nauseous for years, literally years. Uh, I, I just gobbled down tons and tons of food and I was just skinny bone thin at that point in time it felt like and uh you know all these potential negative effects that i'd uh, thought cannabis would have for me for all my life it really had just the opposite so i followed that up by uh by talking to my parents about it getting a, a medical card and and stuff like that and uh, i joined the medical program in new mexico in about 2016 2017 i want to say and uh just started going into stores and buying everything i could mm -hmm. uh I didn't know much about weed because I was very new to it. Uh, all I knew was that it helped and I wanted to figure out what helped. So I'd go into these stores and uh, <laughs> it really wasn't uncommon for me to, to look at the menu and, and just see funky names like Alaskan Thunderfuck or uh, Cat Piss Romulan. And I'm like, 
I'm here for my anxiety. Like, uh, <laughs> what's going to help me with that? And uh, the only way that you could really do it at that time was go, just give me one of everything and uh, try it all and see what works, make notes, stuff like that. And uh, that, that really kind of inspired me not only to learn more about cannabis, but to make it easy for others to learn more about cannabis. Uh, like the main problem I saw was the menus. I'd walk in, they didn't give me any valuable information. I was a tech guy. I could make a, a program that we could give or sell to dispensaries that would make it easier for people like me to figure out what I needed. Because you could still talk to a bud tender and say, hey, you know, I got really bad headaches or uh, I'm so nauseous I can't eat in the mornings. What do people like me come in and have success with? And they could tell you. Whether or not it was really truly the best one for you was what was up for question, but uh, they had the information. They just weren't showing it anywhere. So we uh, we created Budboard to give that ability to dispensaries, and that in turn kind of made it easier for me to figure out what was helping, and uh, in turn also ended up making it easier for me to figure out why it was helping. So I, I took a bunch of the data from the boards. Uh, made this little machine learning algorithm that uh, would predict the effects of a uh, of a cannabis sample from its terpene profile, and then started researching those terpene profiles and those individual chemicals to figure out whether or not the predictions made sense based off of like what the medical community understood about those chemicals. And now I just know a lot about weed. <laughs> and, and, and when did you start that journey with, with Budboard? And and also to to highlight, was it? with terpenes at the start as well so yes actually it was with terpenes at the start that we we were kind of ahead on that uh i had gotten into the program in 2016 i think my card said october of 2016 so it was very late and then our very first budboard paying customer was august of 2017 i want to say uh so within like I'll make sure I can do head math real quick. With 10, 10 months, we'd, we'd gone down the, the let's do something with this uh, opportunity path. And uh, I went from dispensary to dispensary to talk to everybody that I could gain access to about the plant, what they knew, what they felt was important for patients, for customers to know about the plant. And uh, I was lucky enough that at least one of those people knew about terpenes and was like, hey, this is, uh, this is kind of up and coming. It seems like a lot of people think this is something that has a relation to the effect. Uh, you should put it up there. Mm. And so we did. That's and that that is early 2017, especially being in a medical state, you know, mm -hmm. which tend to be a little bit behind the curve of just, you know, more widespread sharing of information, right? That you see in adult use that just due to a lot of things. Um, but that's early because I know like my business partner Joey was big on on terpenes. He was big on, you know, calling out to the industry for people to put terpene profiles on packaging, you know at a time when I kind of was like, oh, these are just a bunch of words that I can't pronounce, still can't pronounce many of them very well. Uh, but I'm not going to try. I'm like, you're not going to catch me trying to do that on here. Um, but uh, but that's early, man, because I don't even know if that was really 2017 when I started exploring it. And at that point, you know, I was really working in cannabis as, as a profession. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd about this stuff. Maybe not on a, on a scientific level. That's kind of came with being around it. But that's really early. And so you say just a, a random encounter really kind of shifted your your attention over to, to the power of terpenes. Yeah, it was so it, it was really two people that I met. Uh, one of them was a guy that worked in the glass shop and another was a grower. And the guy that worked in the glass shop just seemed to be particularly knowledgeable about cannabis. You know, he, he gave me some uh, some 
comments that made a lot of sense like hey well when you smoke these two 15 percent thc weeds and one puts you to sleep and one makes you anxious that doesn't seem weird to you <laughs> and i was like so what's different what's different about the plant and uh you know the the next biggest thing that cannabis produces is terpenes so that made a lot of sense to me and uh another guy that was a grower just started telling me about all these crazy things that you could do you could treat cannabis with terpenes and it helps change the flavor and effect and uh yeah it it, it was almost a chance encounter but it was more like we we heard something it sounded interesting it sounded like it made sense and we went let's let's dig a little deeper into this and, and really figure out what the what the need is here i suppose Absolutely. And so with this, you know, with the approach to bud boards, um, you know, I, I like it that it's much more, it's different than your traditional menu, right? Because it's rooted in you going in as a person that had a particular problem that you identified that is most likely not just, you know, uh, unique to yourself, but to the consumer shopping experience. And I'm not knocking anyone out. We've worked with screen, screen, other screen providers and, and, and it's a great tool for stores. And it also provides obviously the revenue rooted behind that is, is rooted in marketing. And that's where a lot of people really lead with their value proposition. I'm not knocking that. I do marketing for a living. So <laughs> I'd be very ignorant, you know, very hypocritical to do so. But I, I feel like one of the unique, you know, value propositions for you guys is really leaning towards educating and helping that consumer experience. Obviously there's still marketing opportunities within that, but correct me if I'm wrong, that's really kind of the, the main focal point of, of your guys' messaging and what differentiates you guys, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're a company that was started by somebody that was walking into a storefront, trying to figure out what they needed and having trouble doing so. And that's so many people trying to purchase cannabis today. Uh, you walk into a big storefront almost anywhere, and realistically, you're going to have a lot of the same problem that I had back in 2017. You're going to see a name. It's going to be a weird name. It's not going to make any sense as to what it's going to do for you. Uh, it's going to tell you a THC content, and then it's going to tell you how much that t the, that specific sample costs. Uh, I've been to loads and loads of dispensaries, and very, very few decide to market anything other than that. And a lot of them will say, well, hey, people are coming in here and saying, well, just give me the thing with the highest THC content. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because that's all they understand about weed. In order for people to have a better experience with weed, they need to understand what it actually is and, uh, and what's in it and how it's different and what they need to look for. And uh, what that ends up being is how does it look? What are the terpene profiles? What have other people said it's going to be good for? And that like, and that's just something you don't get anywhere except a place that has our menus. Obviously, you can talk to a bud tender, but uh, who wants to wait 30 minutes to figure out whether or not this store has something that's good for you? <laughs> and, you know, what, what I, you know, another thing that I think is, is really unique about that is that, you know, you're also tackling another kind of issue in the space is that if you're in the cannabis industry, is very much an echo chamber. We all mm -hmm. preach THC doesn't matter. We all we all are a little bit more educated. Terpenes are something we're more familiar with. We understand like those names that might be confusing to certain people. You know, if you're really in this industry and nerdy, you can start breaking down the name and be like, okay, oh, totally. some of the genetics, right? But the average consumer completely fucking lost and those names are can be you know from something that makes you know describes a food that's i can, I can <laughs> associate as maybe a flavor profile to you know alaskan thunderfuck where you're like is that just gonna fuck me up the, you know like yeah no 
you don't understand terpenes. And so there's this big disconnect of the industry with this echo chamber of like, this is what we need to do. This is the future of cannabis. And then people that just don't fucking know anything. And there's not a lot of bridges between those two, which I think is something that you guys also are are able to offer through this, uh, through this offering. Thank you. Yeah, I I totally agree because, uh, our, our, our marketing director, president, CMO, I, I, set all the all the titles for him so that I don't anger him by saying the wrong one. <laughs> the uh, he always brings up the statistic that something like 80 or 90% of cannabis consumers are coming into the store with the intention to get a specific effect, uh, whether that's they just want to feel sedated or something really specific, like I want to be really focused because I've got a competitive game that I'm playing soon, things like that. And, uh, you know, that's that's the recreational side. But there's also people coming in going, I can't sleep at night. Uh, and nobody, nobody is putting the information out there to help those people. And, uh, unfortunately if they, or well, not, not unfortunately, if they, uh, if they would put that information out there, they would have such a, a larger reach to, to greater amounts of potential customers because people want to get high a certain way. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you're looking for a desired effect, whether it's recreational or whether it's medicinal, you know, you're looking for an effect from this product that you're consuming. And, and you're right. And some, some brands have gone as far as like putting it a part of their package effects based packaging, which is good. You know, certain people have negative, you know, opinions on that. Certain people like champion it. I think again, that problem of this disconnect of information, I champion anyone that's looking to a disrupt or b try and solve or meet these consumers in a way they can understand, which might be a little more dumbed down than some of the, you know, traditional industry jargon, but that's, it is what it is. You can't speak 400 level lingo to someone that's, you know, hasn't even entered the 101 class. Right. Um, And, and with that, right. Cannabis also like any other substance, whether pharmaceutical food, anything, it's the the uniqueness of a person that consumes it, right? Our mm-hmm. cannabinoid system, we all get different effects from it. So what does it look like kind of collecting this data of understanding what a product may or may not make someone feel like? And then also kind of the, the, the varying degrees of the spectrum of like how effective that is for someone. So yeah, the, the, the variance in biology of person to person is an interesting problem to try to, to tackle for realistically any form of drug development. Uh, that's why clinical trials take so long, they're so expensive, uh, and realistically why they're so controlled, because people react to drugs differently, and we need to understand that before we put them in the market. Uh, the interesting thing about cannabis is that that regulation doesn't quite exist. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a unique opportunity to collect data on that uh, that allows you to somewhat, uh, I, I would say, generalize to a large population without necessarily needing to know the inner workings of what the biology that's at play here. So uh, what it comes down to is finding a big pattern in uh, patient outcomes or customer outcomes. And a tool that's fantastic for finding patterns is machine learning. Uh, machine learning essentially is uh, math that let me let me figure out a way to, to say this at a fourth grade level instead of the way I normally describe it. <laughs> I'll just say machine learning is particularly uh, potent when it comes to finding patterns. Mm. Uh, it's far better at finding patterns than humans can, uh, are in a variety of different problems. I believe that cannabis is probably one of them. So uh, if, if you collect enough data based off of customer or patient outcome, uh, you don't necessarily have to know the general biology of, of that group. You certainly would like to, but uh, it's 
unfortunately similar to like political polling. <laughs> you only have to you only have to sample a small group to be able to make an accurate or somewhat accurate prediction about a larger sample. Maybe political polling isn't the exact best example for accuracy, <laughs> but uh, it is certainly a situation in which we take a large sample, yeah. and extrapolate out to uh, our small sample and extrapolate out to a large group. So we collect data essentially that is related to the outcomes of customers and patients tied to the chemicals that they intook. Uh, it's, it's a pattern that's very similar to other pharmaceutical research where uh, they'll essentially examine the uh, anonymized data that maybe you are putting into the system when like you go to your doctor, uh, maybe you're a person that takes a specific drug uh, for some benefit, but it also has a negative side effect. Pharmaceutical companies are particularly interested in figuring out what drugs give you the benefit without that same negative mm. side effect. Uh, and those same types of techniques we can use in cannabis to figure out what the positive effects of cannabis are and what the negative effects of cannabis are and in turn, what's causing those. So in a, in a, in a really roundabout fashion of what I'm trying to say is that machine learning is fast and fantastic for trying to find the patterns that exist of which chemicals are causing which effects in humans without needing to know the specific biology. Uh, certainly knowing the specific biology would be fantastic because that means we can say, and this is why, uh, but there's plenty of study out there that is on individual ingredients that allows us to say, this makes sense because somebody out there studied it and said, you know, it has that effect too. We've, we've observed the same thing. Uh, I, I hope that, hope that answers the question. That's, no, absolutely. And then where are all the different, you know, you don't have to disclose all of them, but what, what kind of data sets are you looking for this, this uh, patient and consumer feedback from? So uh, all of our data sets are proprietary. They're, they're data sets that we've built ourselves uh, that off of our own service, I suppose, things like menu service. Uh, we sell a, a review platform as well where manufacturers and dispensaries can input their inventory data and distribute out links to people that have purchased that product to get a concept back of uh, you know, what the positive and negative effects they experienced from that, uh, that specific product were. Uh, things like that are, are how we build these, these data sets. And uh, they, they become particularly powerful, realistically, because we have a, a wide reach. Uh, one dispensary may be able to, to collect enough data from its own set of customers to be accurate about a small portion. Uh, but if you can collect from a much larger sample of that, you're, you're going to be more accurate than a single dispensary can. And, and, and that's where we're at, essentially. We have that uh, scaled data, per se. And we own it. Yeah. That's that's awesome to hear. And how 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 often or quick do these kind of consistencies present themselves? I know it's 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 the machine learning. So I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, an, an algorithm, a computer doing a lot of this processing. But is it pretty frequent that new kind of correlations and these consistencies kind of poke out through these data sets? So I, I wouldn't say that they're currently frequent. The, the opportunity for it to be frequent is, is ever growing, I would say. Uh, as there's more research going into which terpenes are prominent in cannabis, uh, there will be far more opportunity for us to, to have those uh, unknowns become knowns, per se, uh, because we're, we're kind of asynchronously collecting data on what the effect that somebody experienced was and what the chemicals that they potentially took mm. were. Uh, you know, your Jack Herrer in one place might be different in another place. And uh, having 
more data about what the actual sample was and and uh, and, and whatnot it allows us to draw conclusions about different parts of that sample. So I'm kind of mucky right now and muddy in, in describing it. So the, the best way to say would be like, if somebody gave me a, uh, a report about their experience with this one terpene or this one product, and today we know that uh, product have this terpene profile, a few days down the line, not to scale, obviously, uh, we may know that product to have a different terpene profile because perhaps it's been analyzed with a, a greater detail of uh, or a greater uh, attention to detail, I suppose, and uh, new terpenes have been discovered to be part of it. The, the algorithm can take that in and, and now have a better understanding of what those new terpenes do. Uh, so yeah, the, the potential is absolutely there. It's not terribly common. Um, terpene testing is, is one of the hard things mm -hmm. to get people to do, unfortunately, uh, because it's not expensive. I wouldn't necessarily say it's expensive because you can send an eighth off for a pound. I wouldn't recommend you send an eighth off for a pound because the terpene profile will be different, but, uh, you can batch properly and, and make it inexpensive. People just, people just don't want to, don't want to spend extra, right? added step, <laughs> added cost, and in, in a realm of cutting everything. Exactly. And uh, most most terpene profiles that you can get from a lab today will range between 20 and 50. Uh, we, we have data on, I would say, solid data on around 30 some, 32. Uh, but that's, that's just what ends up being the most common ones that we find in cannabis. Uh, and I say that kind of loosely in a way. Uh, they're found commonly in cannabis, but I wouldn't necessarily say they are common. Uh, like osamine is is one that I would say is a terpene that you will find in cannabis commonly, but it's not going to be very high percentage or anything like that. It's a great terpene if you're somebody who likes uh, to feel really focused, but it's it's rare in a way. Um, though we do have data on it, and there is study on it uh, in the the current medical corpus. And yeah, and that's interesting too because most of the times when we talk about terpenes, I don't know if it just ends up being the prominent ones or what most people test for, but there's really only like, I don't know, five or six ones that kind of commonly, and those are just the prominent ones that show up across cannabis in general, or are those the main ones that people test for? So uh, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Uh, I, I would say those are the ones that cannabis has been bred to, uh, to, to make prominent, like limonene. Uh, and at the same time, they're being tested for uh, because of that. Mm. Uh, so the, the, the way that cannabis is, is tested for terpenes most often is like a gas chromatography. Sometimes it'll have like a flame ionization that, that depends on the lab, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, and, and the way the gas chromatography works without going into like super detail is essentially you need a purified sample of what you're looking for first. So you have to have a concept of what you think might be there to begin with. Uh, and any, any lab is going to go, well, what's, what are the most common ones? And that's going to be your, uh, today, your myrcene, your limonene, your beta caryophylline, your linalool, my, I call it linalool, but it should totally be linalool. Um, and then like your pinenes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I, I would say those are probably the six more prominent terpenes. Uh, as far as terpenes go, alpha pinene and dextrolimonene are, are two of the most prominent terpenes in nature. Uh, so it's, it's not a surprise to know that cannabis will make those in very high quantities. And in looking at past that, right, because most people, I mean, at least from the, the, the branding perspective, those are the ones that most people put on packaging that people are starting to relate to. 
but even these other terpenes that are showing up that might not be as prominent as that, they clearly have an effect. Is it starting, and you're starting to say, like you said, osamine, I believe. See, like I said one, I only heard it one time and I repeated it. Maybe. I think you got it. <laughs> All right, I said it quietly, though. <laughs> <laughs> say it loud. Say it with your chest. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, um, so these other terpenes that might be minor are not showing up as much. They're clearly, you, like, as you get more data, right, I, I, I assume you believe, like, there'll be prominent terpenes and then support terpenes. I don't know if that's how it would be spoken of correctly, but just how my brain correlates it. And you'll be able to understand data sets of that of like, okay, this, this terpene profile matched with these other two is that's really what's causing the combination instead of just this singular prominent terpene. Yeah. So, uh, sorry. Sometimes my, my, I'm hard of hearing. So sometimes I have to like repeat things to myself to, to get it to work. So <laughs> that was what that was. Um, yeah, there, there's certainly going to be like primary and secondary terpenes in a profile. Uh, oftentimes there's like a, quite a fall off in the, the distribution. If you look at it in that way, where it's like uh, uh, three or four will end up being something like 80% of the terpene profile. And then you'll have like 30 terpenes or more that take up, if you only do like a 50 terpene test, that uh, that will take up the other uh, 20 odd percent and stuff like that. So, so that's very common. Um, in terms of what we actually care to look at in terms of potential like activity, uh, I think Ethan Russo is, is the person that came up with the rule of thumb for looking at uh, 0, uh, any chemical that has more than 0.05% of the dry weight of the tested material is something that's probably worth looking into for potential drug effects. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that ties down specifically to just terpenes. I, I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it makes sense that it would just be a terpene thing. But that's a, that's a pretty fair rule of thumb for determining what's actually active and and has potential to to uh, uh, you know cause a drug effect in in in, in a human. Um, that said, there are certainly situations where, say, you might have uh, a, a slew of, of chemicals or a slew of terpenes that have somewhat so, somewhat of a similar effect, like um, a, a, a acetylcholinesterase inhibition is, is a really good example. Uh, a lot of these profiles that people will say are, you know, stimulating or will give you really good focus, uh, they, they have potential to have acetylcholinesterase inhibitors mm. in them. Uh, Alpha-pinene, osamine, terpinaline, a, a fair number more, I'm sure, too. Uh, these all make you feel focused by inhibiting the breakdown of a chemical called acetylcholine in your body. Um, that means that uh, like alpha-pinene is, 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 sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, if you inhibit the breakdown of acetylcholine in your body, it essentially has the effect of increasing the activity of fast twitch muscle uh, and, and gives you a fairly comparable effect to like taking a drag of a cigarette mm -hmm. uh, or intaking nicotine in any way, shape or form. Because the uh, receptors that acetylcholine uh, effect are nicotinic acetylcholine receptors. Uh, nicotine looks very similar to acetylcholine and so attacks those same receptors um, and is what causes you to, to feel that kind of focused head rush effect. 
so in, in cannabis samples that have a variety of acetylcholinesterase inhibitors in them, uh, there's, there's potential for them to be non-competitive, meaning that, yeah, this very small amount of acetylcholinesterase inhibitor, like uh, let's say it's alpha-pinene, may actually end up having an effect because it's also in an environment with this uh, much larger amount of this other acetylcholinesterase inhibitor. Uh, there's, there's certainly potential for that. But the, the inverse is also possibly true, where adding more of one terpene, uh, or sorry, adding a mixture of two terpenes may actually uh, be less effective than mm. if you'd only chosen one or the other, because there are situations where, uh, where they're competitive at the, nerve, at the, uh, at the receptor binding site. Um, I, I can't remember off the top of my head but uh, I know for a fact that CB2 binds to the, or sorry, C, uh, beta caryophylline binds to the CB2 receptor, much like uh, CBD does. But I, if, if I recall correctly, I believe beta caryophylline and CBD are competitive mm. at the CB2 binding site, which theoretically could mean that if you, uh, and, I, and I, might, I might be wrong here, so take this with a grain of salt, but uh, theoretically could mean that if you took beta caryophylline and... Uh, and CBD together, you might only feel the effect of one. Hmm. And that one would be effectively wasted, uh, more or less. It wouldn't have the effect that you would expect. So they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't have a synergy uh, to say. So many of these terpenes can be synergistic with each other because they have the same effect in the same way. Uh, and many of these terpenes cannot have that synergy because they're competitive. Hmm. Hmm, that's unique, but it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. I mean, you got different things competing with the same receptors, and there, I mean, there's only so many receptors, man. And yeah, <laughs> you know, it it definitely it definitely makes sense. Um, you know, with the, with this mission of providing better education in a big space where, you know, I know we talked about this offline in the past. There's like so many new strains that are coming on, you know, there's different states, different regulations, different cultivators, different cultivators doing the same genetics, different genetic variations of the exact same strain. It's a very fragmented thing. You know, the mission you guys have set out to do is a big one, but obviously it can be solved with, with data at scale. Um, but with such a big task, right. That started with a simple idea. What's the inspiration to like continually charging forward as this, this idea is I'm sure it just continues to get bigger. Every time you get to the next level, it just the scope, the scale, it gets bigger. What's the inspiration to just kind of keep walking down that path as, as it, as it becomes a, a viable business for yourself? The bigger it gets, the more people we help. Uh, that, that's, that's really what it is for me. Um, my, my experience with the plant is from a, a perspective of it being really purely a medicine for me. Uh, certainly I take it, I guess I can't say purely cause I definitely, I definitely enjoy it recreationally, but uh, it, it is, it is quite wholly a medicine for me as well. Uh, and, and there's many people around me in my life that I've talked to about cannabis and have, have seen how it's affected them positively as well. And the potential that cannabis has, if only people understood it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it seems that, you know, we don't, we certainly don't understand cannabis wholly. Nobody does. That's, uh, that's the problem of the industry is needing to understand it better. But we, we understand it pretty damn well, if I do say so myself. So uh, any information that we can continue to push out there helps somebody sleep at night, helps, uh, helps a a vet that has awful dreams not have those dreams helps people with terrible pain not have that pain people that can't eat makes them eat 
that that's what keeps me going and, and uh, able to sleep at night and able to wake up in the morning is knowing that the more that I continue to do this, the more people out there will have success with cannabis the way that I had success with cannabis and change my life. Uh, that that's 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 what I want from it for sure. Because trust me, if I was here for the money, I I I, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Hey, it's, it's a labor of love, man. Labor of love. Like you, I was talking to you a little bit earlier. I come from the, the, the music community and that was something very much while there is, I got some friends that made quite a bit of money in music. Uh, you know, all, all of my, uh, dwellings within that industry. And most of the people I know, the reason they go there is for the passion. And, yeah. uh, while, while cannabis is this booming industry, that's grabbing headlines and investor dollars left and right, it still has, this element of it of something that's spiritual and powerful and there's so many people in this space that are connected through passion and that makes it i think a really special place to work in um and i and i love you know that that approach of doing this for the the end consumer making this you know trying to make quite literally trying to make it a better world man leaving this place a little bit better than than how we found it um through the power of cannabis you know salute to you for that um what is you know in in on that on that theme of just fragmentation and how big you know the scale again of everything is what are some of the challenges in operating of you know trying to acquire these data sets analyze these data sets um with just how fragmented the space is what are some of the unique challenges that that you're faced versus potentially doing this in another industry that's less fragmented so I, I would say one of the biggest challenges is also one of the biggest opportunities of the industry. And that's kind of how fast everything moves. Hmm. Uh, people people want to hit the ground running. People don't want to take the time to put in like a big inventory or anything like that. They don't want to wait a week to get a terpene profile back from the lab so that they can uh, start moving. And they certainly don't want to spend the money to do it. Uh, so you know the, the fact that things are just kind of so rapid here and, and people are how you say hey, okay here, here's here's a good example it feels like everybody's uh driving on the autobahn and i'm trying to get them to look at a billboard <laughs> but they're <laughs> flying past it at 120 miles an hour <laughs> and uh that that's that that's some of the hardest part is getting people to slow down and go hey 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 listen there's there's a better way to do mm -hmm. this and uh and, and there's a lot of people that are willing to listen, the, especially the people that are starting to have success because they're they've got their ear to the ground. They're looking at how the market changes. They're looking at how uh, consumers are changing as well, and that's moving far more towards having an interest on what the actual effect I'm going to get out of this damn plant is. Uh, and, and so the the people that are getting that are are not not my challenge at all. Uh, convincing people that that it's worth looking into what the plant will actually do and, and having control over that is probably the uh, probably the biggest the biggest challenge because everybody still just wants to sell based off a of THC content. Yeah, it, it it does. But I will feel you it does make it fun being a part of something that's so new and so fast. I feel you it is. Well, I'm sure that's a huge challenge. It still is one of the main things that attracts me to this space beyond you know, just being passionately connected to the plant is, is very few opportunities to be able to something that's just, you know, literally from the ground up and it's just moving at this alive. Um, yeah. And, and also I had another question is in looking at your guys's data sets, um, is there some common things? I mean, I, I have my own, I guess, assumptions, but what are some of the most common uses that people are 
using cannabis? Like what are they trying, what are they looking to get from, from cannabis use? So like in medical states, and, and I have to preface that for a reason that will be super obvious in two seconds. Uh, what, what we see most often is people coming in trying to treat anxiety, uh, anxiety, insomnia, or uh, oh, what's the other one? Pain. So people come in and say, I'm anxious, I can't sleep, and I hurt. Uh, that, that's overwhelmingly what the large majority of people are turning to, to cannabis to try to help with. Uh, there's a ton, a ton of opportunity for those people to, uh, to, to feel relief and, and to get help from cannabis for those three specific uh, indications. Absolutely. What are, what are some of the products or strains that stick out? If you know any, and I'm putting you on the spot, so don't uh, worry if you can't, but for the, for those three, you know, ailments, if you will, what are some of the, the strains that have shown or have shown positive uh, indications through the data to help, you know, provide relief for those? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, anxiety is kind of an interesting one because it's, uh, it's somewhat, subjective in a way. Mm -hmm. So we'll, uh, we'll shy away from, from making super general statements about anxiety at the moment, but, uh, insomnia or like relaxedness and, and things of that, like are, are, are really easy to make comment about, uh, linalol, linalool, if, if you're a person that tries to pronounce them correctly, <laughs> uh, is, is a fantastic terpene for feeling generally sedated. Uh, it has many of these same, or it's observed to potentially have many of the same effects as like, benzodiazepines because it works off of the same receptors. Mm. Now, I'm, I'm not telling you that it's going to feel like you took a Vicodin if you take linalol, but products with linalol in them do routinely end up being rated as far more sedative. And the science behind why it's believed that linalol is sedative makes sense. Uh, so if you're looking to, to get better rest or, or to, to, you know, fall asleep quicker, Linalol may be a place that you want to start to, to look or products with Linalol and it might, might be helpful for you. Uh, pain, on the other hand, is, is, is a very interesting one. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that cannabis has potential to be great for pain. Uh, two of them in particular being like inflammation uh, and then nociception. So inflammation, we all know you hit yourself on something, uh, your arm gets red, it swells up, etc. That's inflammation. Uh, loads and loads of, of terpenes have uh, good effects on inflammation. Linalol, linalol is, is fantastic for inflammation as well. Uh, Alpha-pinene, I believe, is, has been observed to have anti-inflammatory effects. Um, I, I normally have a big list in front of me, but alpha-pinene and linalool are definitely decent anti-inflammatories. Uh, and then in terms of the nociception side of things, myrcene is really the place mm. to go. Uh, so nociception is pain response. You, uh, you get hit or something of the like, and some nerves in the area that you get hit go, hey, that, that didn't seem right. Let's talk to the brain about that. And the brain goes, oh, you're in pain and, uh, and sends you some pain. That's a very, uh, mm -hmm. it's a, it's not exactly how that works, but it's, it's good enough for the metaphor. And what anti-nociceptives do is, they, is uh, they prevent that from going, oh, hey, I should be in pain right now and, and giving you pain, essentially. Uh, myrcene is antinociceptive through the TRPV1 receptor, uh, which is a capsaicin receptor. So the, if you've ever had really hot chili and uh, noticed that like your mouth burns, it hurts because it burns too, it feels physically warmer and you begin to sweat, that's because of TRPV1. Mm. Uh, capsaicin is an agonist of TRPV1, which means that it lights the receptor up effectively, it, uh, it activates it. 
Myrcene, on the other hand, is a modulator of it. It uh, prevents it from being overactivated. It prevents it from being underactivated, which means that it can be fantastic for, uh, you know, for overstimulation, uh, essentially, if you're somebody who has uh, a particularly painful response to things that should not be that painful. Myrcene can be fantastic. That's, uh, that would be things like uh, fibromyalgia, complex regional pain syndrome is the condition that I have that myrcene helps me a ton for, like this cream that I have that's just like uh, CBD lotion and myrcene in it. Mm. Worked great. And uh, that, 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 that essentially works because TRPV1 is responsible for saying to the brain, hey, I should be in pain right now. And, uh, and myrcene stops that from occurring to some extent, it, it appears. Hmm. So what, what are some of the common strains that are high in myrcene? <laughs> uh, fucking everything. <laughs> so uh, myrcene is a terpene that frankly, you could have, you could have a whole podcast episode about myrcene. Okay. Um, in fact, I, I, I want to say that that uh, there's a guy that has had an entire like touring talk about <laughs> how myrcene has become one of the most dominant terpenes in cannabis, uh, and it has to do with haze. I'm sure you're familiar with haze, and uh, oh, I, I I don't want to get the history wrong because because Michael will kill me, but <laughs> but uh, so something having to do with how cannabis was bred back in the '80s, so that it would be smaller and bushier and produce larger, denser nugs. It happened to be that the the plant that they chose that had those uh, had those properties per se uh, also was fairly genetically coded for uh, for high myrcene content. So uh, we, we bred cannabis to be small because of, uh, or in a way to be bushy because of um, prohibition so that we could hide it. And because of that, we bred myrcene to be dominant in it. Uh, so most cannabis strains will have some level of myrcene content in them to the point that you can't, I, I would argue you almost can't point out a strain that's going to have a particularly high myrcene content. Uh, you can certainly smell it. Uh, it. It smells like the it smells like the uh, the darker note of a mango in a way. Uh, that would be because it's found in mango, and it smells kind of earthy as well in uh, in cannabis. So look out for something that smells not necessarily fruity, but smells like a like an earthy fruit. I suppose that that's that's typically something that will have myrcene content in it. Or shop at stores that have budboard and show you exactly which uh, which terpene profiles are in your plants. Or shop at places that actually test for terpene profiles. Walk into storefronts and say, "Do you have a terpene book?" Uh, <laughs> it's uh, if 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 you really want to find it, unfortunately, you still got to ask. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's what I would say, and that's that's a that's a fairly exclusive one to to myrcene in a way. And so on that note of where, what stores we can find Budboard at, what, what, what markets are you guys currently in right now? So we're, uh, we're in the New Mexico market right now. Uh, we, we had some activity in Florida and Pennsylvania that we're working to, to grab back, but right now we're in the New Mexico market and you should be able to see us in a fair few number of Canadian stores, hopefully by, uh, hopefully by Q3 of this year, which will be great. Um, what you, what you will be able to start to get from us, that's not necessarily the, the, menu services, the types of products that we've helped develop. Uh, we do the menu on one side, but we also do product development 
We've worked with uh, like Abstracts Tech, a terpene manufacturer in California to help make uh, profiles that have specific mood effects, like something that will be energizing, something that might feel a little more peaceful. Uh, so if you're looking specifically like to make products or, or even as a consumer mm -hmm. to uh, influence the products that you purchase to feel more like the moods you're looking for, you can buy those AI mood effects from, uh, from Abstracts. If you're in like Colorado and you like Wana products and you're looking to fall asleep faster, buy their fast asleep. It has one of our terpene profiles in it. Uh, start looking out for for products that uh, come from Effects Lab if, if you're really interested in finding products that have clear cut effects that uh, that we believe will be consistent. I forgot. I did not put that on my questions questions because <laughs> that stuck out from our last conversation that you guys are are working with people to actually come up with these terpene profiles into products. You know, mainly like from my understanding, edibles and and oils and stuff with tinctures, where you're able to kind of build fully, kind of I guess I don't I don't want to say manufacture, but but create a product that's uh, a, a a byproduct of multiple terpenes. So. That is awesome that your guys' data and kind of focus on terpenes is allowing that to happen. Yeah, thank you. And that's uh, that's a particularly fun thing. Like, uh, I hate to call the menu service boring because it really helps, but uh, getting out and being able to help people make products that are uh, clearly effective, that are labeled properly, that make it easy for a consumer to get in and buy something that probably will help them or probably give them the effect they're looking for that's that's the really fun thing that i that i enjoy doing and uh and probably one of the cooler things that i think comes out of uh out of having the menu service yeah i mean it's you know for a person like yourself that likes to play with data it gives you the opportunity to get a lot of data to do other things with um and then another thing too with with budboard is it plugs in with the with a POS system, correct, and then extracts information through that, or works in tandem with that, or can you explain a little bit how that works? So we're we're working on some point of sale integrations right now, like uh, like we're trying to get trees going so that we can crack into the California market. Uh, I think we've got some other conversations going that I uh, unfortunately have signed contracts. That I don't think I can say names until the integration is done. <laughs> But uh, it, it certainly can integrate with your point of sale if that's something that you so have a desire to do. Uh, but, but one of the interesting things about Budboard is that it, it collects a lot of data that's just not going to be in your point of sale. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there are some points of sale that will collect the information. Like I want to say LeafLogics will collect uh, terpene data. Uh, I'm not sure what the difference uh, between the LeafLogics and Dutchie systems are at the moment, but I know that Dutchie has, uh, has some terpene profiles that are quantified. So some points of sale will collect that data and others won't. Like uh, Biotrack doesn't collect that terpene information. Uh, I, uh, last time I got in trees, it didn't seem like it did either. So we have kind of this uh, content management system that sits between your POS and your menus that allows you to put in all of that relevant data that you might not find in your point of sale. So you can grab pricing, names, images, and whatnot from point of sale for, for integrated customers, but you'll still have to get in there and put in the terping profile if that's something that you're looking to uh, to put in and show to your customers. And uh, kind of as an extension to that, it, it means that it doesn't necessarily require that you have a point of sale integration. In fact, it was built to work without a point of sale integration. Mm -hmm. We wanted to make it really, really easy for people to put data into the content management system and management uh, and manage it because uh, that was one of the big problems that we identified on the actual dispensary side. It sucked for me to go in to try to find what was up on the menus because the menus sucked and the menus sucked because they took so much time to deal with that the, that the managers didn't want to make them good. So we make a product that makes it easier for them to make good menus so that I can find what I want. So. 
Awesome. And it's displayed in a beautiful, it, it looks great. I know there's some customizable features within that, but that again was the first thing when, uh, you know, I can't remember, or someone had told me that's how I got connected to you guys. Someone had brought you guys up while I was on a call. I just pulled up the website, saw some pictures of it. And I was like, oh man, this looks awesome. Thank you. Love, love that approach to educating the consumers and doing it in a way that visually looks good. You know, you're taking again, terpene. I'm, I'm an, I'm a nerd in the industry and uh, terpenes like the words and stuff almost off put me. I don't know if it's just cause I'm illiterate, uh, but, <laughs> but you know, once you get to, to higher level science, it can almost off put me, but when you lay it out in a way that's like, Oh, this makes sense. You know, there's some colors behind it that almost kind of coordinate moods and feels. And it's just laid out in a way that like, you can look at something and make sense and make correlations. I think that's the most important thing because you are taking something that is so scientific. And again, like we already talked about earlier in here, there's this discrepancy between industry education and the consumer. And so bridging that gap has got to be done in a, in a simplified way, but not too simplified. I, at least from the outside looking in, that's what you guys have. I'm excited now that REC is in New Mexico. I got to come out there and, and and check out the market and definitely uh, pull I'll up. I'll take some cool spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely do that. So, you know, before I get you up out of here, uh, Josh, is there anything else on the docket for 2022? It looks like you guys might have this potential expansion into Canada and some integrations on the way. Is there anything else you'd like to to share uh, before we get up out of here? Just start looking out for for new products that uh, have the Effects Lab name on them. Those are those are products that I believe people are going to have some of the best experiences with. Uh, we're starting to push them out with some really interesting people that I wish I could name right now. Uh, and you know, if you're interested in making some of those products yourself, uh, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we, we need to connect on some other content around that particular topic as a whole because I think that stuff is just cool. Uh, and obviously. You obviously you guys are coming up with great stuff with a with a purpose and working with some great brands so i'd love to help amplify that and for anybody else looking for more information on budboard budboard.co correct correct b-u-d-b-o-a-r-d.co awesome well this is the rmr podcast episode 36 with joshua mallet of budboard appreciate everyone hanging out for us if you're on youtube subscribes over there he's he's blocking it otherwise you just find <laughs> in somewhere underneath him make sure you do that leave a comment even if you guys some hate to say we love seeing all that anyways we will see you guys next time